Thanks for tuning in to our Neighborhood Church podcast. Join us on Sunday at any of our locations. To learn more about our church, visit neighborhoodchurch.com or download our church app. Hey everyone, my name is Sean Thomas and thanks so much for watching my story. Uh, It's an honor to share my testimony with everybody and I hope it's a blessing for you guys. Um, I'm actually not going to share a story about my conversion, but something that took place years afterward. Um, And uh, basically, to kind of set the table, uh, I grew up in the church. Um, I was always kind of like the God kid. You know, I was in the youth group. I was in the choir and doing all this stuff. Um, And it was great. You know, I had a great family and and upbringing and everything like that. But early on in my life, um, I learned how to like put up masks or or put up walls and barriers in order to present um, uh, the good God kid kind of persona. Um, and, uh, and even at, at home, even though there was struggle, there was real hardships and, and uh, often turmoil, um, uh, that was all kept very quiet and, and behind the scenes. So no one knew the hardships and the struggles that I would go through with my family, but they would see kind of this, this uh, God persona, you know, this kind of, oh, he's a good church kid. Um, and so that I was kind of my process for most of my uh, life uh, through high school and after graduation. Then when I was in college, I was about 23 or 24 at the time, uh, there was a, a six-month time period where four of my family members actually passed away in quick succession. Um, and it was, it was a real hard time for my family, and I was very sad. But the most difficult part was is that when some of these people uh, passed away, um, it, it actually brought to light some some deep baggage within my family. Um, and, uh, what we were always able to keep private and keep, um, uh, under wraps behind this facade actually, um, started to leak into the public. And, um, there came a point where we just couldn't hide stuff anymore. And it was very messy and embarrassing and awkward. And I was like, ah, I can't keep this facade up. It was at that point where, where I realized that, that I could either kind of keep this uh, family tradition going of like, oh, putting up a facade or wearing a mask to, to block kind of the turmoil going on inside, or I could walk through that. Um, and what I was able to do, I was able to seek out uh, just really good godly people um, who uh, who just poured into my life, and they were walk with me through this process of vulnerability and breaking down these walls and just um, really dealing with the the difficult uh, turmoil inside. And um, it was a beautiful process, although a painful process and a very hard and scary process, right? Sometimes it's it's safe to be like, okay, I'm here. I don't have to, you know, <laughs> this is very vulnerable. But um, that was the very thing that was just a breakthrough for me to go deeper into my faith and just have a real richness, not only with my relationship with God and an honesty with my relationship with God, but also uh, with with fellow believers. Um, and not only was uh, did the church help me to to push past that, but then I was able to help others and pour into them as they process their vulnerability, and just learned how to create sacred spaces for people to just have breakthrough. Um, and so it was just a really sweet time of um, of God showing me that He cared more about what was in inside, even the messiness that, that as 
I walk through the process of breaking it down, he filled my cup and, and, and the emptiness that might have been there behind the wall was actually filled by his, by his spirit even more abundantly. Um, and so that was just a very powerful time in my life. And I just want to encourage you guys with that, that um, even if we have baggage behind whatever facade that we're putting up or mass, that God wants to penetrate deep and let that stuff out um, so that he can just do a more full and greater work in us. God bless you guys. Thank you, Sean. Uh, appreciate him sharing his heart with us. Uh, Sean is uh, involved in our Los Alamitos ministry. Lord willing, he'll be uh, uh, one of our worship leaders over there, and we're excited about that opportunity. But it's neat to hear a story where we hear of someone who has uh, uh, really grown in his faith, actually stood firm in his faith because he was involved with other people. And that's really an important reality in our faith is that is standing firm is, uh, is a key and, and actually a huge quality the Apostle Paul talks about in uh, this last chapter of the Bible book of Philippians. So good morning to you all. Uh, thank you for worshiping with us today. Uh, those of you online, welcome. Those of you who are here in person, thank you for being here. It's fun to see uh, a continual growth of people in person, but online is great too. We're glad, glad that you're joining us. My name is Mike, one of the pastors here, and we are nearing the end of our uh, uh, what we call our all-church focus centered around the Bible book of Philippians. Uh, <clears throat> The, uh, um, it, it, what this book is, it's a letter written to the church or the, the believers that live in Philippi, the city of Philippi, the ancient city of Philippi. Uh, by the way, do you know where uh, that city got its name? Anybody, any idea? If you're online, you know, type it in if you have an, have an opportunity. But uh, it actually came from Philip II of Macedonia who conquered and renamed the city of Philippi somewhere around 357 BCE. Uh, Philip II is mostly known because he is a famous father, the famous father of Alexander the Great. Uh, Philip inherited the throne of Macedonia at the age of 23, around somewhere 359 BCE, uh, because his two other brothers were killed. He was third in line. They were killed, so he <laughs> drew the short straw Macedonia at that time was a bit of a, a backward nation, uh, but Philip knew he must develop his military if he wanted to hold his ground. So learning uh, some fighting techniques uh, from being a hostage actually in Greece, he redeveloped a, a rectangular military formation known as a phalanx. So, and I thought, you know, what, how fun it would be to demonstrate this. And so I've asked a, a few guys to come and help me with this. So uh, where's Mark and David and Jim? Come on up here. I got two elders and a trustee. Come on up, guys. And hopefully I'll have a job after this. But come on, um, uh, come on up here. Yeah, you'll, you'll need your, your shield and uh, your spear and your helmet. So come on up here. I did my best to get the best quality material. Come on up. Come on up. Yeah. Mark, why don't you, why don't you stand here? Stand here. And, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and David. Yeah, don't. Come on, guys. Yeah, yeah. Jim, stand here. David, come on. Stand in the middle here, buddy. Over this way. Dave, come over here. Yeah, other middle. Try to keep, come on, keep your physical distance here. 
Okay, yeah, watch out. Don't knock over my podium there. Okay, <clears throat> so what... Would you guys just quit? Okay, so uh, there you go. See, I want you to guys, hold, hold your shield up like this, okay? And hold your spear, you know, kind of tucked under your arm and hold it out and, 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 and look, look like, you know, real good soldiers. See, see, the whole idea behind this thing called a phalanx, now just imagine there's a bunch of soldiers in between here and it formed a giant rectangle. And that rectangle went also back farther. You see it up on the screen. And what this uh, 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 um, rectangle would do is that it would help them. I kind of dig in. It would help them stand their ground. Enemies would come. This big, long spear would spear them. And, 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 uh, and not only that, man, there's a lot of fuzz coming off of those mops. <laughs> uh, but it was, and, and, and so Philip created this incredible army, and they were able to hold their ground. Man, if you guys... If some uh, other military force saw guys like these, they would just run in laughter, but they would run. Uh, he also, uh, uh, Philip also created with them uh, this uh, uh, a uniform, uh, gave them shields. And I, I don't know if you read the signs here, you know, you can't touch this. That's kind of a fun slogan. Uh, Philip is our commander and king, and then all for Macedonia. And what was different about what Philip did is he, he uh, had the armies, instead of being local groups, you know, in, in, uh, kind of loyal to the town, he made them loyal to himself as the commander and king. And he was able to uh, get the troops together and, and they were to able to stand and hold their ground. So thank you guys for demonstrating that. Give him a big hand. You guys, yeah. To Macedonia, way to go. <laughs> I'm going to pay for that later. I have a feeling... Yeah, the, the helmet's a quality helmet. It's right there. But um, he wanted to create that sense of unity, Philip did, and he did. And his, uh, his army went and, and uh, conquered well, and actually Alexander the Great learned from his father and did the great conquests he did. But this sense of standing firm, Paul brings out in chapter four of Philippians, because to thrive and experience joy is to stand firm in Jesus's leadership and lordship. And, and, and in Philippians chapter four, verses one to 19, Paul gives up five uh, practical elements of standing firm in Jesus. And so I'd like for us to examine those and take a look at that. I know you've been doing a lot of calisthenics this morning, but I want you to stand up one more time and let's pray and ask God to, to challenge us this morning. You never thought you'd be so active in church. Some of you wondered, did, did I go to the exercise video, you know? And I, but uh, uh, come on, you can do this. So Father, thank you for the opportunity to, to be together and have fun and joy and laugh uh, because, uh, Lord, there is a great joy in you and especially when we stand firm. And so, God, I pray this morning that as we launch into your word and look at this amazing chapter, these first nine verses of chapter four of Philippians, God, you would teach us something. Lord, right now, I ask your Holy Spirit to work on our hearts. And God, may we walk away with just some nuggets of truth, some help, some encouragement, some challenges. And God, that you would just uh, bless us for being present today, whether it's online or here in person. So God, thanks. Use this time, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You can have a seat. I encourage you to, uh, whether it's, it's, it's getting onto our app and finding an outline there, or whether it's uh, uh, just ch jotting down some notes uh, somewhere, or, or just really thinking through what we're talking about, really mentally kind of walk through this and, and, 
and uh, I challenge you to take some notes. There's, there's a, on our webpage, we have all kinds of helps for you there, and I encourage you to peruse those and, and, and think through. There's, there's helps of uh, looking at the Bible verses uh, uh, verse by verse through our Bible University uh, videos. Uh, there's study guides that are available online. Many of the life groups that we have are there. There's a revive section on our website that really helps. All that is resources for you to help you as you grow in faith. But take your Bible, uh, whether you have a paper Bible or electronic Bible, there's fuzz all over my Bible, uh, and, and open up to the Bible book of Philippians chapter four. Uh, we're gonna have a lot of the screen, uh, verses up on the screen or down below me if you're online, and you'll be able to read these uh, along. And I'm actually gonna have you read out loud with me after a bit, but you'll see when that is. But let me just read to you uh, verse one of chapter four. It says, therefore, now we'll talk about what therefore is therefore in a moment, but therefore Paul is writing, my brothers whom I love and long for my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Now the therefore means uh, in light of all that Paul has been writing, all chapter one, two, three, and four, uh, beginning of four, all chapters that he's writing, in light of that, and focusing in on Jesus and living with him as our leader and Lord, growing and pressing on, knowing Jesus and seeking his way of life. Paul encourages them, in all of this, all that you've learned, I want you to stand firm. And actually this word stand firm is a military term used back in Philippians chapter one, verse 27. And I believe the reason the Apostle Paul uses this particular term is because it's to a city, a military city. All kind of retired centurions lived in Philippi, bearing the name of a military leader who perfected this military technique and tactic, this phalanx to stand firm. And I believe that there probably was even frescoes and, uh, and, and mosaics on the floors of places that showed these, these, these phalanx of these uh, warriors standing side by side. And so when he said, stand firm, that image just shot right into their mind. These people would well understand and visualize what it means to stand firm. And as well, these people that Paul was writing to had a very special place in his heart. Paul found much joy in their relationship and desired for them to thrive and experience joy even in difficult times. But as they stand firm in Jesus' leadership and lordship. It says here, it says, my joy and crown stand firm thus in the Lord. That word thus means in this way. Paul is saying, I have written all this so that you would stand firm and now here's how. Five practical elements of standing firm in Jesus. The first is be united in Jesus. Like the formation, they were united. Be united in the Lord. Because the reality is, is that as people gather, there will be conflict, right? Whether it's a friendship, a work relationship, a team, uh, anyway, clubs, uh, even at church... <laughs> There will be conflict. Conflict bubbles up. Anybody had a relationship without any conflict whatsoever? Yeah, you're lying. No, <laughs> sorry, I, the pastor called me a liar. That's great. No, it, 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 it's true. It just happens. It, 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 no matter what goes on, we, are, we have conflict. 
And in the church in Philippi, there was conflict. And Paul addresses it. He addresses it both individually and corporately. Let me, let me read this to you, verse 2 and 3. I entreat Yodia and I entreat Syntyche to, ad- to agree in the Lord. Yes, I, I also ask, true companion, help these women who have labored side by side with me in the gospel together with Clement and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. Paul individually, Yodia, Syntyche, he, he, he says, I'm, I'm, you specifically... But then you as a church as well. And, and by the way, the, 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 the where it's listed here, it says true companion. That could actually be somebody's name or maybe a mentor or, or somebody high in the church. We're not really sure about that. But, but Paul is, is saying to stand firm means we need to connect, be unified, not at odds with each other, but in agreement, in unity. Pa- Paul said this earlier. In Philippians 2.2, it says, complete my joy by being of the same mind being, uh, being in full accord and in one mind. Being in the same love, being in a full accord in one mind. To be together, to live in harmony. As Paul challenged the Roman church in Romans chapter 11, specifically in verse 16, when he says, live in harmony. <clears throat> so it, it, it's, it's to not be so annoying <laughs> or be so annoyed, <laughs> but to work out differences with lots of grace and forgiveness all applied. And if help, if there needs to be help, bring in the whole group of believers. Because actually working through conflict does take effort and energy. You know, we live in a time uh, where people are, are not seeking unity or togetherness, but just venting their opinions and angst, going off yelling and, and accusing and berating. I was in the grocery store the other day and uh, I was in the express lane, and all of a sudden, the woman ahead of me, not quite at the thing, just went off. She was so upset that this person in front of her had 16 items in the 15-item lane, and she just went off. There was 15 items there, but there just happened to be two avocados in one bag. Uh, I was, I was uh, um, a while back, I was uh, watching a... a gentlemen walk in the crosswalk and a, and a car uh, just happened to be about four inches uh, past the white line. The, the man had the full crosswalk, but he walked by and he slammed his fist down on the, uh, on the car that had its nose stick to four inches out and just, just started yelling at how he couldn't stop beyond the line and then walked on. He actually put a dent in the guy's hood. Um, this idea of, of angst and, and, and venting is there. People flip out over masks, over not being exactly six feet apart. Someone coughs and everybody dives, runs away. And it's all captured on video. To stand firm in faith is to seek to be unified and to work out our differences with love and kindness and grace. It's a choice. So do you choose unity or just to vent? To thrive and experience joy is to stand firm in Jesus' leadership and lordship. And that means to be unified, to work out our differences and to be unified in the Lord. The next element to stand firm in faith is to to be trusting of Jesus. Look at verse uh, four of uh, Philippians chapter 
4, we sang it just then. You can almost sing it with me. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say. Yeah, it's, it's, it, 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 to rejoice is not to put, uh, put on smile or, or a feigned happiness. To rejoice is to place trust in the Lord and through whatever emotions we're feeling, put our confidence in him to know that Jesus can and that he will handle it all. Because remember, he's the Lord of all, creator of heaven and earth. He, nothing he cannot do. Yes, we're to process our feelings and to let our, our trust in the Lord settle our soul. I was talking to somebody the other day and they had just found out some very horrible medical news. It, it was completely devastating. And we process through the feelings and you can just see the, the shoulders slump and the, the, the agony of the reality of those words the doctor just soak in and what they might mean. But as we process through that, we also began to talk about the power and the strength and the care and the kindness of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and you could see them stand up. And there was joy even in the midst of very difficult problems because they put their trust in the Lord. I want you to do something with me. If you have your Bible, go over to the Bible book of Psalms. Some of you have this psalm memorized. It's the 23rd Psalm. And I want you to read it out loud with me. Now, the, the words on the screen are gonna be in the English Standard Version, so if, if you wanna follow that, but if you have it memorized in a different version, just yell it out proud and loud. So here we go. The Lord is, read it out loud with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me, and your rod and staff, they comfort me. We'll stop at verse four. But let the reality of that, the Lord is my shepherd. He is with us. We can rejoice, stand firm in in this relentless, unyielding trust in Christ. And it is a choice. So are you willing to place your trust in Jesus, to trust him with your finances, your family, your relationships, your life, your job, your goals, your kids, your future? Trust is shown in yielding to Jesus' leadership and his lordship. Lordship meaning his master over our life, his, his control, his, his will dominating ours. So are you? See, to thrive and, and, and experience joy is to stand firm in Jesus' leadership and lordship. Another element of standing firm is a choice to be gentle unto the Lord. Look at verse, go back to, if you're in Psalms, go back to Philippians chapter four, now verse five. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. The word reasonable is also translated gentle with a hint of selflessness. It's a gentleness that has a, a self, selfless sense where, where we show respect, courtesy, 
considerate of others, not demanding our rights, but seeking fairness with others. You see that a lot with people wearing masks. It's not really about you. It's about other people. And you wear them out of courtesy, out of being gentle, out of being reasonable with others. Gentleness takes time and, and makes time to listen to others based on God's measure, God's example. Like the gentleness of Christ's servant heart when he humbled himself, as we learned in, in Philippians chapter two, emptying himself and becoming a man and cared for people, willing to even go to the cross. And as Adelie mentioned earlier, we're gonna be taking communion and we'll be talking more about what that went through. But Christ went through excruciating pain for just you and me to pay the penalty for our sin that we might have this incredible relationship with him because we can't outside of ourselves. We have sin that blocks us and we need a savior and that's Jesus. And that's why communion is such a special time. It's a reminder of all that, that Christ has done for us. And for us to be gentle, it's a choice. A choice to be so kind, so caring, so loving that it's common knowledge that we're known for that. So, so, so what are you known for? See, reasonableness, gentleness is a choice that builds community. You know, it's like that, that, that phalanx that we talked about earlier. There needs to be that reasonableness, that gentleness among the soldiers there so that they can rely on each other and know that the other one is there because we need each other in this world. We have a crafty enemy out there who wants to attack us at all sides and we need brothers and sisters that, that are around us that we know that are caring for us because we're caring for them. We're showing them a, a, a reasonableness, a gentleness. As we make this choice to be gentle, we stand firm in our faith in Christ for to thrive. And experience joy is to stand firm in Jesus' leadership and lordship. The fourth element of standing firm in faith is to be in prayer to God. Now, this is a passage that a lot of us have heard a number of times, but it, it's so rich and challenging for us. Paul writes here again, here's this way to stand firm. Verse six, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Praying with that relentless trust in God. And it does. It relieves anxiety and rises up miraculous peace and brings on a, a, an amazing resilience that guards our hearts and our minds. Now, there's so much we could say about prayer, but it is where we connect with God, where we share our hearts and listen to, to God's encouragement and instruction directly from him. So that's what I found so amazing about, about Philip II when he, he took away the, the, the local magistrates and said, no, I don't want you to direct the soldiers. I want to direct them. As the commander and king, I want to direct them. And God says that same thing to you and to me. He wants that direct interaction contact with each one of us. And that's through prayer. Through us talking to God and us listening. Because God does speak 
to us. He does listen to us and he does speak. And it's, it, it's a choice to take time to speak and to listen. So, so how do we pray? Prayer seems such an ominous thing. How do we pray? We're actually, Jesus taught his disciples. So here are another place. I'm, we're really working you out with the Bible today. Take your Bible and open up to Matthew chapter six. This is Matthew's first book of the New Testament. Matthew chapter six, starting in verse nine. And he, it, it's the Lord's prayer. Our Father, which art in heaven. We're gonna read that out loud together. We're gonna use the English standard version. You may have a version again that you have memorized. That's okay. Read it out loud in that way. But let's read this together. We'll start with our Father, okay? Here we go. Just read it with me out loud. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You know, uh, it's, it's acknowledging God's praiseworthy actions. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. It's discussing and seeking how to know his will and his way. Your kingdom come, your will be done. It's, it's making requests asking God for things, making supplications, requests, confessing sin, and gaining guidance. It also takes time listening to sit in a moment of silence and to let God speak into your mind. Now, I don't hear audible voices from God. Some people do. But whatever comes into your mind, you always need to check it and hold it accountable to Scripture. And if you're having trouble with that, get some godly advice from people who you know hear God regularly. When we pray, it's as if we are, you know, that soldier digging in their feet and standing firm in the Lord with great reliance on God. For to thrive and experience joy is to stand firm in Jesus, Jesus' leadership and lordship. See, to stand firm in the Lord, in faith, is to be unified, to be trusting, to be gentle, to be in prayer, and to be active in Christ's, in the Christ-like living. Standing our guard to live life God's way is both a, a, a mind opportunity and needs action to make the choice to think first, to, to reason, to wrap our heads around it. So go back to Philippians now, looking at uh, chapter four, verse eight. Let me walk through verse eight with you. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, that's to, to, to work at our knowledge of God, the truth, the Bible, his, God's character, who Christ is, all of that, to know God's truth, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, that which is noble, noble in God's kingdom, the actions of uh, following God's will, uh, people coming to faith, people getting baptized, loving your neighbor, all the imperatives that scripture has for us. Whatever is honorable, whatever is pure, that, excuse me, whatever is, is just, just is, is those actions of inclusion with, with, with grace and love and, and redemption and sin. And then whatever is pure, that's, that's following God's standards of living, not the world's, but God's. Whatever is lovely, those are moments that are examples of God's love expressed, friendship, a good marriage, families, uh, people loving their community and serving God. 
whatever is commendable, that which is morally right, in line with God's way, whatever is excellent, that is, again, understanding of God's way, that his way is the right way, the excellent way, and in whatever is praiseworthy, to think about these things, that which is praiseworthy are those things of God, and life lived his way, to set our mind on these things, whatever is pure, whatever is true and honorable and just and pure and lovely and commendable and excellent and anything worthy of praise, to let our mind dwell on these things, but not just to think about them, but to actually do them, to to practice them. Look at verse nine. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. To choose to think is the first part. And then to practice, to do, to, to put action. Where, where, where That's where Christian living, Christ-like living happens. It's stepping up to some disciplines like prayer and listening to God, to study, to, to take on the responsibility of learning and growing in faith, to loving others more, to bringing about God's justice. And, to, and, and it's all a practice. Just like you learn a skill, whether it's baking or sewing or, or, or playing a musical instrument or working on a car or whatever your job skill is, it takes practice. Purpose, effort to learn a skill. We don't know things Im- immediately. Poof, oh, I know how to play the guitar. Some people are really fast learners, but a lot of us, it takes practice. So to do the actions of our faith, we need to practice. What should we practice? God's word tell us. I want you to read this verse out loud with me. It's, it's, it's Micah 6.8. It's actually to song, but I won't, we won't sing it. But it says this. He has to, read it out loud with me. He has told, it's up on the screen and on in front. He has, sorry, begin. <laughs> he has told you, oh man, what is good and what does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness and to walk humbly with your God that we are to do these things, to be about justice, God's justice, to love kindness, to be about kindness, and to humbly walk and live life God's way. We have the ability to think and, and practice about whatever we want. It's our choice. So what, what do you choose? The choice to think and practice along these lines of God's will, it, it will help us stand firm, taking orders from our commander and king, the Lord Jesus Christ. See, to thrive and experience joy is to stand firm in Jesus' leadership and his lordship. (laughs) The difficulties of life these days have put tremendous pressure on each one of us and our faith. How much better could we be? How much better would we be if we were to stand firm in faith in Jesus. Because the reality is the people around you could use your valor, could use your bravery, could use your courage, your your willingness to be united in the Lord, to be trusting of Jesus, to be gentle unto the Lord, to be in prayer to God and to be active in Christ-like living. What of those and what is God challenging you with this morning? We're gonna take just 40 seconds and sit in silence as our band comes up to play. 
and think about what God is saying to us, to you. Is he calling you to a decision? Is he, is he challenging you on some point that we talked about? What is it? Let's take just, just 40 seconds. I'll, I'll, I'll time us. Just sit in silence for 40 seconds starting now. Father God, thank you for speaking to us, for challenging us. It's great that you care so much about us that you individually minister to us. Help us to to tune in to you more, to actually take time to listen. God, may we like those soldiers, stand firm in our faith together like that military order and keep moving forward in our faith in you. Thanks for the opportunity to be challenged and encouraged this morning. Bless us now as we walk into this time connecting with you through communion. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Um, Communion is a very special time in the life of a believer, in the life of a church. Communion is a wonderful opportunity to be reminded of what Christ did so that we can have this connection. We can be part of, of who he is in our relationship with him. Uh, our new tradition in uh, taking communion is that hopefully at home you've gathered some, some bread and, and, and some, something to drink uh, to take along with us. Um, if you are here in person, we have these special little uh, hermetically sealed sanitary uh, communion uh, elements. There's a cracker on top. It's a juice below. If you don't have one of those, maybe just lift up your hand and our usher will come to you and, and give you one. Most of you have one here, but if, if not, they'll be happy to give you one of these. And, uh, but this, 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 this uh, ceremony of communion came... At, uh, the night that, that Christ uh, was betrayed and, and the night he, last supper he had with his disciples and they gathered around and at one point in the meal he pulled up a cracker and said, this is my body given for you. Take this and remember. And he had some grape juice. It was some wine at that time and when he gave it to them he said, this is the blood of the new covenant. It doesn't become blood. It just, it's red like blood. It just is a rep- representation of his death, just like his body it doesn't become his body. But they're, they're two elements to remind us of what Christ has done for us. That he went to the cross on our behalf, strung there, and the sin of the world was dumped on him, and he died paying the penalty, paying the, the payment of our sin. <clears throat> just before he died, he screamed out, it is finished, meaning it is paid in full that our sin is done away with. 
And how we receive the benefit of that is to believe, to understand that we're sinful and that we need a Savior, and that is Jesus. And many of you have made that decision. Whether here or online, you, you've made that decision. That's great. Keep growing. Keep standing firm in faith. And let today be a reminder that Christ died for you so that you could stand firm. You could grow and move and, <clears throat> and do incredible things in faith. Some of you need to come to that place where you believe. And you can. It's, it's a simple, starts with a simple prayer. It's just simply saying this. And if you want to, you can pray along with me. It goes like this. In your mind, you can just pray, Lord Jesus, I get it. I'm sinful. I need a Savior. And Jesus, I believe it is you. And right now, here this day, I just commit my life to your leadership and your lordship. Because of him, because of Jesus, we pray, amen. If you prayed that, that's awesome. <laughs> Let somebody know. I'd love to know. You can email me, text me, uh, get online, encourage me in some way.